We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory Live. Presented by Emprise Bank with Emprise, you can check your balances chat as fast as you check the scores. We even give you an instant replay so you can review the ruling on the field. Emprise Bank member FDIC, our partner in Possible. So appreciative of them, all they have done for KC Sports Network. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, uh, especially after this week. A absolute beatdown of the Las Vegas Raiders that we get to talk about. And here to help me do it. My dear pals, respond him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, how are we feeling today? You know, I'm feeling pretty good. I uh, I keep going back to the replay of that Chiefs Raiders game and you know, just keep running it back on a loop right now because we finally got we got that Chiefs game. I think all fans have been waiting for. We got that one that that made you feel good. You know, it, everything wasn't perfect, but it made you feel good. It felt like years past. The Chiefs were making a few mistakes here and there to where you know they didn't play perfect. And they still scored 40 points and made it look pretty darn easy. That's the way this Chiefs seems operated the past two to three seasons. So it was really good to finally get back to that point. Yeah, it felt like normal. Like it felt felt like putting on, you know, your nice, comfortable hoodie. It's hoodie weather now. It felt it felt good getting back into that, knowing that this is what we're gonna get from here on out. I'm calling it. This is it. This defense, this offense. This is what we're getting. Kent, you know what, buddy? We've been leading off of the defense lately because they've been the best side of the ball. Why don't we go ahead and lead with the offense today? Why don't, why don't you kick us off with some offensive stuff? Because they were pretty good. They were decent. Were I mean, good. they were fine. You know, it it was refreshing. Uh, I think everything was, um, I think everything was, co- like, I, the word I kept coming back to is cohesive. It just kind of felt like everything, the the rhythm. Like I think Maddie kind of actually touched on it too. Is that rhythm, the rhythm that the offense was operating within yesterday, seemed like the play call timing, which is crucial. Like the the play calling, I think was was really good last night, and you know like some of the screen game utilization and the timing using that screen was just a great representation of the instinct in the play calling that I felt. You know that rhythm, and maybe it was just you know slowly figuring some things out and they finally put it all together, but something, something felt different with the play calling and it started there and it, it continued with the execution, even though, you know, we, we talked a lot about the edge rushers in the pregame show or the game preview show, 
you know, the, the edge rushers, they weren't really a factor. Did Max Crosby play? I can't remember. Oh, that's right. He did get that, that personal foul penalty. Forgot about that. Okay. Now hold on. We got to take a step back. Max Crosby <laughs> was working the chiefs offensive I don't line care. that first half. He I was know, giving them the business. I'm running my mouth. I don't okay. care. You, you okay. think it, you think it matters in, in a rivalry game? Like I'm just, I'm just gonna, I dude, I, I have like, like when it comes to Raider Wait, week, I'm this just is like a rivalry. Blatant. Since when? Oh, that's true. That's right. You have it has to be. It, it can't be one sided uh, and be a rival. That's a good point. I forgot about that. But anyways, yeah, I think top down, uh, organizational wide, offensively, there was just a, there was a ton of good things that you saw in that game, Maddie. And uh, there's definitely a lot of reasons to be optimistic moving forward. You know, the moment I knew it was about to be different, it happened early on. Travis Kelsey caught a pass. He got up. He celebrated. He's dancing. You could just tell that he he felt different. He felt looser from that very first drive. Like right away, he looked like he was feeling a little bit looser. And I know Travis Kelsey gets a lot of praise because he's a good player, but he really is essentially the veteran leader of kind of this mm -hmm. offense. Like he's been there the longest. He is the guy. They look to him for a lot of stuff. So seeing him going out there, being frustrated, being wound up tight with the kind of coverage that he sees, some of the stuff that's happening, I'm sure does have a little bit of an impact on the team. So seeing him come out being just that loose and that kind of hyped up to start, you knew it was going to be a little bit different. And then, you know, the, Chief, the Chiefs got a bone from Gus Bradley and the Raiders. Like he said, hey, <laughs> I know what's been stopping you all year. So I'm going to do the opposite. Like you won't be thinking this, this move's coming. So I'm just going to do the exact opposite of everything that stopped you. But it didn't matter. Gus Bradley's been good against the Chiefs in the past. Those Chargers defenses have actually played the Chiefs really well. And you saw the Chiefs come out in that first half. There was no explosive plays. There was some nice third down conversions, a couple plays designed to get the ball in the intermediate areas, specifically to Kelsey. But for the most part, it was the quick game. They got into a rhythm. They got things going and they could kind of let it open up a little bit in the second half. Once they got, you know, they were feeling it. The Chiefs offense themselves were feeling it. And that's when they really started to push the ball downfield. But yeah, I, I agree with Kent. They started that game out with a plan and they executed it really, really well. And I think that put some pressure on the Raiders defense to try changing things up. And it just got everybody on the same page for the first time since week like three. Yeah. <laughs> and it does help when the defense that you're playing plays the coverage that they've shown on film and you can design a game plan to attack that coverage. Yes, I know that we all knew that they were probably going to see a lot of too high stuff with every other team, but this was the one that you kind of looked at and it's like, is Gus stubborn enough to and sure enough? And as I said in the pregame podcast, the flats and the seams. That's where you need to attack. Guess where the Chiefs attack? The flats and the seams, especially off of play action, really sucking those linebackers up. And you got Travis Kelsey into some space in the middle of the field. You saw countless times where the ball would go over the middle of the field. Travis Kelsey would catch it, turn around, and there's nobody around him. You know, that's that's awesome. That's the kind of defense that I want every team to play against the Kansas City Chiefs. This soft shell cover three to keep a lid on things, open up the middle of the field. That definitely got the mojo for the Chiefs going. Yes, there are going to be other defenses. Yes, there are going to be different looks that we're going to see. But this offense needed a get right game a confidence building game, a restoring the mojo kind of game. And this was absolutely that. It doesn't matter that Gus Bradley lived in cover three. It doesn't matter that that's not the way that you've stopped the Chiefs so far this year. What matters is execution. We all know watching this offense, how poor the execution has been at times this year. And frankly, it was significantly better than what we've seen. A couple deep shot misses. That's fine. 
I remember those from the old days with Patrick as well. But the execution of the game plan was phenomenal. So that, that's the part that really has me excited about what this offense can do going forward, even if they're seeing the defense that has been their kryptonite so far this season. Well, and let the record show that the Chiefs actually still executed well against two high structures this week, too. Sure. It wasn't, it wasn't just cover three that they beat. They still were able to create some more explosive pass plays. I think the, the throw to P- Pringle, I believe, was against a two high look. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they were still like they were they weren't just it wasn't just, you know, middle field close coverage that they were beating, too. And I think that's one of the things you got to feel really encouraged by is the fact that, you know, it didn't really matter what the Raiders did. However, they whatever they tried to do, it didn't work. And, you know, the, you heard some of the quotes from the Chiefs after the game. It's, you know, we should have we should have held we should have put up more. And, and they're, they're probably right. Like, you know, and if they had let, you know, they let up, they pulled up a little bit at the end of the, you know, end of the game too. Chad Henney got in for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was an interesting game. Yeah, it was really fun to see this team, you know, cut loose a little bit. It looked, the play calling was outstanding. The execution across the board was outstanding, you know, and I, I think one thing, Maddie, I think, I mean, I think Gus Bradley thought that they were good. I think they, I think he thought the pass rush would do more. I really do think that that's one of the things that Gus Bradley thought that the pass rush could, would get home a little bit better than it did. And that's, and if that was the case, yeah, maybe some of these plays are looking a little bit different. Well, like I said, that Gus Bradley had success against his chiefs offense in the past. How did you do it? Four man pass rush. They played cover three, cover six behind it. And they made the chiefs throw the ball short. They rallied to it and make tackles. They, they did exactly what they, the Raiders tried to do. Now the Raiders win this game. They did mix in some two-man specifically. I don't think they played a lot of cover two, but they mixed in a lot of two-man. Just the issue is when you're playing the Chiefs, the whole concept of these two high structures is doing it every single play until the Chiefs make a mistake. You can't just throw it in there every now and then. That defeats the purpose. The Chiefs are good enough to beat it here and there and every now and then. The issue is if you do it every single play, will they have the patience to? The Raiders, they kind of made the Chiefs play patient in the first half. And the Chiefs, they put up points, but not a ridiculous amount like they were in the second half when the Raiders started pressing. So like, they tried a little bit. They just didn't make the Chiefs change their identity from what they have been struggling with all year. I think that's the best way to go about it if you're trying to be you know, not over-the-top optimistic right now. The Chiefs didn't have to finally beat the boogeyman of two high coverages. <laughs> they didn't really have to. Yes, they did occasionally, but not play in and play out. Now, you want to feel good, though? You don't want to talk about what makes you feel good? Patrick Mahomes, he went five for six on throws in the intermediate area. That's only one incompletion on balls that went between 10 and 20 yards. That's where you have to beat some of this cover two stuff. Mm -hmm. These two high looks, that's where you got to throw. He was excellent throwing there. We talked about some of the vertical misses. I think you got Tyreek Hill decided to jump up and one-hand a ball that he probably can run under and score a touchdown on. You had the double move that Patrick Mahomes definitely didn't put enough air under. Just those two plays, you know, those are very executable plays. That switches him up. Then all of a sudden now he goes five for eight for at least one extra touchdown, throwing the ball over 20 yards. They got the explosive plays looking a little bit better these past two weeks. Even though they're not connecting, you can tell they're right there. So, I mean, they didn't beat too high a ton. But if you want to feel good, like Craig said at the beginning, they're executing on their own a lot better. The Chiefs players themselves are executing a lot closer to how they have been when they went to the Super Bowl than they have been for much of this year. And that started, you know, with a third string right tackle. Going up against Max Crosby, going up against Yannick Ngakwe, Orlando Brown, I felt like did a pretty good job. The interior was obviously very good against the Raiders' interior. That was to be expected. 
but they gave uh, they gave uh, Andrew Wiley a lot of help. A lot of these uh, releases with their tight ends, single blocking Max Crosby, and then releasing late into the route after everybody has kind of gone out in their distribution and an easy, spacious cover three that they were able to take advantage of there. That was good. That's good game planning. That requires Max Crosby to think. And when you think, you're playing a little bit slower than you are if it's just natural, if you just get to pin your ears back and you get to do the sorts of things that the Chiefs have done. They even tried to get him a little bit more horizontal, you know, going at the run game a little bit. And while it was completely ineffective, you know, <laughs> that, that is what it is, yeah. it does make the defensive ends slow down a little bit more, as does the jet motion. As a, There's lots of things that they threw at those defensive ends to make them play just a little bit slower. And that was kind of the difference in what the Raiders have been able to do, where they're able to just kind of pin back and go, knowing that they've got the coverage behind it and they can just rush the passer. The Chiefs threw a lot at these guys, even on third downs, they threw a lot at these guys and they were able to protect long enough for Patrick Mahomes to find an open man to make things happen. So game plan, execution, phenomenal. It wasn't just Mahomes completing a left-handed pass that made me think some things were a little <laughs> bit different this week, but you're talking about, you know, the tight end standing a little bit and helping and getting out late. I think about the sprint out. I think it was some kind of rollout play with Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey um, kind of was, was, was kind of trying to stay with, with uh, Max Crosby and, Mahomes and, and Kelsey kind of connected and they just dumped a little pass off, you know, a little, little leak almost uh, with, with Travis Kelsey, you know, after, you know, he was one-on-one -on -one with Crosby trying to turn a corner and keep him, you know, get, give Mahomes the edge. I think about that creativity, that chemistry that was there, and that hasn't necessarily manifested itself the same way we've seen in the last few weeks. You know, there, the level of comfort and confidence and chemistry, there's those three C's, I guess, um, that, that you saw in a play like that, that's the, those are some of the little moments too, that, you know, that, that, that gets me excited to see what this group is kind of doing there. Um, because I don't, that, that, some of that stuff's been lacking a little bit. They've been off. Mm -hmm. There's been a little bit like these, the, the usual connection that he has to, to a, to a Tyreek or to a, you know, Kelsey hasn't been identical to what we've been accustomed to. And so that was even nice too. I think there was just a lot of really positive things to take away on the offensive side of the ball. Anything else you wanted to touch there, Maddie, on offense? Uh, the big thing is I, another thing, a lot of play action. There was a lot yeah. of play action this game from the Chiefs, like a lot of true play action. The Chiefs usually live out of RPO look. So sometimes it will kind of play out like play action occasionally, not often, but occasionally that's not the case. The Chiefs ran, I think, 15 pure play action passes for Patrick Mahomes. I think that was good. That was a good touch. They took a couple shots off of them versus the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants these past couple weeks. They tried a few more against the Raiders. You got the the fake pitch on the Byron Pringle touchdown, so like that should count mm -hmm. as a play-action play. Like they were getting into some of these deeper looks by throwing the play-action looks out there, and it was clearly having some level of, of effect. Look at Noah Gray's touchdown and just like how that did bring some of these guys forward. So it was effective. I, the Chiefs still can't run the ball. They, they had seven runs that went outside of the offensive tackles for a total of 14 yards. Oh. I don't know why they keep trying this. Well, they were trying to run outside zone with Daryl Williams, and that was part of the problem. That really <laughs> took it down. I'm not saying it's entirely the problem, but like everybody in their mom kept saying, what are we doing here? 
Well, I was gonna, I was, it was coming up next. Seven runs for 14 yards, and I believe Gore, Derek Gore, had a six-yard run on an outside zone. So, like, he had six of those 14 yards on his one outside zone runs. Like, it's just wild that they keep trying it. And, like, they were really trying to stretch this Raiders defense out, which I get a little bit. Like, in this matchup, it does make sense. It's just they can't run the ball, but the play-action pass game came back. So that was nice to see because that's something the Chiefs had been pretty good at in years past, especially when they were trying to push the ball downfield. Doing this now, especially when teams get back to these too high structure, that will allow you to isolate Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey a little bit more for these vertical shots if you can continue to hammer this kind of success off the play action pass. I will say that the way, and I know I said it yesterday, but the way that Patrick Mahomes got to that check down so quickly, whether it be the tight end, you know, blocking, then releasing, whether it be Daryl Williams in the flat, whoever it was, was was terrific like that the rapidity that he was able to work down to that was needed you know we've seen him get too late I talked about all offseason about how I was hopeful for Clyde Edwards-Alaire because they would use him in some different ways and not just be throwing him the ball late into the flat and to start the season they were throwing the ball late into the flat so over the past couple weeks we've seen a lot quicker progression down there a lot more concentrated effort to get down there, especially since there's two high safeties, a lot of collapsing and trying to make, you know, make a play, a one-on-one play from the defense. Clyde Edwards-Alaire will help with that. I think that we do expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire back this week. Andy Reid all but said it in his presser today. So I do think we'll see that. Darrell Williams, though, had a phenomenal day catching the ball. I'm looking forward to seeing those types of plays for the guy that makes guys miss in space a lot more often than the rest of the guys. Get, get him the ball quickly, please. Please, yeah, try. Was, please. please try. The work I, Mahomes looked looked more prepared mechanically. And I, I know that's been a word that's been thrown around a lot, and I'm not trying to like get too far into that, but he looked more prepared to throw the ball into his body, looked more prepared to get the ball into the flat. And he looked like he was a little bit more controlled trying to get the ball to the flat, very intentional thought just put a little bit more attention to, to, to get in his base. Um, you know, and it's, it's all relative. Cause I mean, it's not Alex Smith where he's like, I must go here. I must turn here. My feet must go here, but it's a lot. He was just really intent on his body was in a good position to work down to the running backs. And it helped. I think it helped the a feet, lot. I think the overall feet were patient in the pocket yeah. too. Like it, it seemed just more uh, to go to your point. It seems very in control this week despite having an excellent pass rush that they were facing. Well, and right. I guess we talked a little bit about it. I, I think we should give it a little bit more of a nod. These offensive tackles, now, it was Andrew Wiley who was you know playing as a third-string right tackle, but this offensive line and Patrick Mahomes really are starting to gel together a lot better. You can tell that he does look, Mahomes looks more comfortable in the back of the pocket. He feels comfortable that Orlando Brown, and when he's had Mike Rimmers or Lucas Niang these past couple weeks, even with Wiley, he feels comfortable kind of sitting back there, floating around towards the back end of that pocket, and then stepping up when he needs to. You can just kind of tell it's all starting to come together for that group. Orlando Brown, huge turnaround from early this year. He was really struggling to run with guys up the arc to start this year, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to say but he really was struggling not to play good but just to run guys up the arc all of a sudden these past couple weeks he's doing a really good job he's sticking on guys he's finally being able to use that length to push guys around the pocket when it needs to be done so you know a round of applause for those guys and Mahomes because that that little unit is kind of starting to work really well together and I think that's going to make a big difference kind of going forward 
We we talked from a narrative perspective about the fist pump at the end of the of the Packers game as being a moment <laughs> that they help you know some confidence, some swagger comes back, and it sounds like you know even with Mahomes, some of the conversations after the game were getting your swagger back and and a, and a mantra throughout the week, memeing it up and uh, credit Shane Bouchelle, who is worth every Ross practice squad protection all season, <laughs> if sharing that meme with Patrick Mahomes was enough to get the mojo back. I don't think it's... I, that's, that's, really... that's why he was protected all yes. year? That's, that's yeah. been why? Okay, cool. Awesome. He's a, he's I'm a in. C- that's fine. He's a, yeah, CMO, Chief Meme Officer. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, it was good to see the, you know, the confidence comes back, and, and it was a really, really, really good performance across the board, and definitely things seem more cohesive than they ever have. The next test is... The big test is this upcoming week, and, like, mm-hmm. I, that's kind of why I said that. As, as big of a hole as this team dug him out, dug, dug themselves in, and partially but like personally like how i felt was a hashtag no lost november meant um you know that's four wins against teams that you are capable of beating that you you know you haven't beat to this point in the season i needed to see a lot i need to see consistent performance and like this was a big win this was the biggest win of the month i think uh biggest you know representation of, the year. of progress oh uh, yeah biggest representation of progress for this football team but now you're now you're about to play the I believe number one seed currently in the NFC, a much better team and a much better team. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is a massive litmus test, and they need to they need to not fail one of these tests. And so all this stuff has been really awesome to see offensively, but they got to go out and do it against another very good team, the good pass rush, some playmakers in the back end of that defense. This is going to be a massive game. I cannot wait to see the Chiefs against uh, a, a big test on Sunday, especially since, I mean, th- this is the last game before the bye week. So this mm-hmm. is, this is huge. This could be, this could really propel the rest of the season if they pull this game out. All right. I think it's time to talk about defense. We've held Craig off uh, as, as long as we could. Uh, I understood. He, Listen, he, you got to get gracious. your moment in the sun sometime this year. You know, That's, it's just, it, it, it's so few and far between with this offense and, you know, so I think it's time to talk about that. That defense, We could just Craig. skip forward, just do the Dallas Cowboys game preview right now and just skip the defense. I mean, we know that they were good, right? Like they were awesome. And that's going to do it for the case. No, no. <laughs> Let's uh let's talk about them. And I, you know what, Craig, I just want to know where you want to start with the defensive Ooh. side of the football. Like, where do you want to like try to boil it down to one talking point we need to go over? Like, if you were gonna if you're gonna highlight one, just start there. Oh man, um, wow, the secondary, the secondary <laughs> has um, really stepped it up in the past three weeks. Like, really, really, really stepped it. Basically, since they settled on Charvarius Ward. Legereus Need and Rashad Fenton as their three rotational cornerbacks, they have been terrific. And I've been talking about it the past couple of weeks. This kind of showed you why. Now, again, the, the Raiders don't have the best weapons in the world, but now all of a sudden you saw situations where they tried to get Darren Waller matched up with a safety, with Tyron Matthew, a guy that's smaller than Darren Waller and doesn't have the same straight line speed, and it didn't matter. Tyron Matthew was all over him like a blanket and played uh, played a pass breakup phenomenally, was blanketing him throughout the game. Juan Thornhill was as well. Both of those guys did an excellent job on Darren Waller. That is the piece that Derek Carr needs to go to repeatedly. When you see him 
in his best games. He's getting in a rhythm. He's hitting Darren Waller, much like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. That's, it's not uncommon. So for them to be able to take him away the way that they did, it, it, of course, the this offense sputtered without him, sputtered without a true deep threat. And the only deep, real, real deep pass that they hit, other than the Brian Edwards one, which we can talk about later, was a deep one to Deshaun Jackson where Tyron Matthew almost picked it off. And then here's Rashad Fenton punching it out. Tyron Matthew coming up with a fumble. You got to see lots of impact plays from the secondary, and you're seeing more and more of them. It's not just Legereus Sneed. Now you're seeing Rashad Fenton a lot more. You're seeing Charvarius Ward, maybe not as much this past week, but in the previous couple of weeks, Charvarius Ward really coming into his own as well. I, listen, this secondary coming together couldn't happen at a better time. So I, I just really... This was a highlight for me getting to watch them make splash plays, not just the consistent stuff that we've seen, but the splash plays over and over in this game. It feels like the Chiefs secondary has kind of gotten back to what they do well. They've started playing a lot more too high safeties. Now, they're mm -hmm. rotating them around a lot, you know, pre and post snap, but they're starting to get back more into a lot more of these two man looks and this cover four stuff which allows them to protect these outside corners a little bit. And I'm not taking anything away from Rashad Fitton and Charvarius Ward, who've, who have been playing really well this year, especially these past few games, but they are getting a lot of help. And that's something the Chiefs weren't doing early in the year for some of these other guys, like a Mike Hughes when he was struggling, Ward when he wasn't playing as well earlier this year. These guys were getting put out on islands a lot more often. You saw teams essentially trying to do what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did in the Super Bowl and just testing these guys one-on-one. -on -one. It wasn't working. Spags goes back to the drawing board and says, hey, in years past when these guys were playing well, this is what we were doing. Let's try it again. And lo and behold, it's working again. Now you have teams that are not really trying to test these outside corners, you know, very much on the outside again. They're trying to throw everything in between the numbers, which, yeah, the Chiefs have a weakness there still at linebacker and coverage. But that means you're throwing the ball to Juan Thornhill, to Tyron Matthew, to Dan Sorensen, who comes up with an interception. Like, you're throwing the ball back into the middle of this Chiefs defense where that's where the guy, all the guys that make the plays are sitting at. So like, this is just essentially the Chiefs getting back, just like they have offensively, getting back to what they've done well in the past. And unfortunately, it took five, six, seven weeks to get there, but they got back there now. Like, and the, That means everyone's starting to play really well. I think Legereus Steed's playing as good as he has all year right now. These last mm -hmm. few weeks, he's been great. Tyron Matthew seems completely refocused after a couple outbursts in the middle of the season, you know, Washington football, maybe on social media afterwards, all these guys seem more focused and like they're playing their best football right now. That's huge. I and mean, it's just going to keep going from here. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we talked about cohesion on the offensive side of the football and I think the marriage of coverage improving and like, this is, this is absent of pass rush. I think the coverage undoubtedly has improved. Like every point you guys just presented but i think the cohesion between the pass rush really coming along uh this last month and and really being able to generate pressure has afforded you know some opportunities to the secondary to make some plays and i think that was true this week not entirely just them but i think this is where you know you, you see the marriage of of pass rush and coverage both playing well together and that's definitely the case here you know Derek carr hilariously handled pressure <laughs> like he was 20 18 Derek Carr again like it was adorable it was it was hilarious I saw you could see his eyes on the broadcast view the high wide broadcast view on that first interception or that near interception where he just threw up uh, a 500 ball just backpedaling and like 
like most unathletic attempt to try to navigate pressure and make a play on a third down. Just oh, chef's kiss. It was so good. It was hilarious. But you you saw you know that the opportunity for like a Dan Sorensen to make that play came from you know a, a really good pass rush, and there's a ton of dudes up front that are think are really starting to put things together, and it's starting to kind of look and shape out like the defensive line that we all kind of expected to see at the beginning of the year, Craig. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we as we all expected, Derek Naughty pass rush pass specialist <laughs> this week. My man had a couple pressures in a sack. He got sack. held. Yeah, he got held. You put some respect on that man's name. No, I, uh, Jaron Reed, this is by far his best game as a Chief. By mm-hmm. far his best game as a Chief, both against the run. He had the Chiefs' highest run success rate uh, when he was on the field. That was when they were at their best. And he was also right up there with everybody in pressure rate, had a sack that was important on third down had the pressure, the one that that kids talk about with Derek Carr going back, 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 you know, that, that was a Jaron Reed pressure as well. He just made his presence felt. And this was a game that Chris Jones played a lot more defensive end than I think we expected. You know, Melvin Ingram's here. Chris Jones still out there playing a decent amount of defensive end. He still ended up playing more defensive tackle. Nobody needs to panic, but They're not done with that rotation. And the reason I think that that is positive is because it was happening largely in the base defense or in dime looks where they're running stunts. But in the base defense with Chris Jones out there, you've got Jaron Reed and Derek Naughty. And Derek Naughty, I know I made the joke about him being a pass rush specialist, but he has been a monster for four games now. He is resetting the line of scrimmage two or three times a game. He is absolutely dominant right now. So... Those two guys coming into their own in the interior, that is what Kent's talking about with the defensive line playing as well as they are. Those are the guys that we expected. That's the run-stuffing ability on the interior that gets them to these third and longs that we saw this week that the Chiefs had, once again, negative three total yards allowed because they were allowed to rush the passer. They were just allowed to get to those sorts of things. It's a meld of everything so that defensive line playing as well as they have for the past couple weeks is great it is and this is something that craig and i had kind of talked about off you know podcast and we weren't talking about stuff and i think live we didn't know what this defensive line was doing to start the year it looked like they were Mm -hmm. trying to play with a little bit different technique from time to time specifically zeroing on Derek Nadi, who has been one of the best run defenders in the entire NFL these past few years. All of a sudden, he's getting blown off the line of scrimmage. He's trying to hold the point of attack, and he's just not able to do it with the way they were having him play. And I don't know if it was a different technique. I don't know if something changed schematically in the coaching room or if he's just a little bit healthier and just playing better. But all of a sudden, this entire defensive line they're no longer trying to play multiple gaps at the line of scrimmage. At least it doesn't look like it. These guys are getting upfield. They're penetrating the blocking schemes that you're getting that all of a sudden you're having these running backs trying to find open gaps that just aren't there because you have so many bodies in the way. You're no longer just having these defensive linemen getting held up, pushed back. That's allowing the Chiefs to get into these third and long situations. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, these guys are all having, they all had quality games. I don't think any of them had you know, dominant performances as pass rushers, but they were all good. And that kind of, that was enough to make Derek Carr feel uncomfortable. Chris Jones had a pretty big hit on Derek Carr. I believe it was pretty Ooh, early in the yeah. second half. Did a great job not landing all of his body weight on him. From that moment on, 
I don't think Derek Carr wanted to see another Chiefs defender. It's just that's the thing. People have talked about it. Defenders have talked about it. You hit Derek Carr once, he kind of shuts down. Chris Jones gave him a good shot. And I don't even remember. The ball might have even been completed on this play. I don't think it was. But even yeah. if it was, it doesn't matter. He hit him. That made Derek Carr think. And you could see it from that moment on. Derek Carr's ready to run. He did not want to get hit again. He was trying to throw the ball away. I wouldn't call that, that running. <laughs> Derek Carr had a scramble in there for positive yards one time. I saw it. <laughs> okay, I can't. But yeah, so I just I think the Chiefs were doing all the little stuff right. And it was just on every single level – Things were going well. I don't think this was the best pass rushing game they've had out of this stretch where this defense has been really good. But we kind of that's why I think Craig started off with the secondary and how well they were covering. This was a coverage-centric game plan and it worked really well. So now you have the defense winning multiple ways these past few weeks. I don't know what else you can ask for. You can't yeah. ask for anything. You can't. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you even saw Chris Jones there like swatting back-to-back passes. It just completely Dikembe Mutombo and Derek Carr there. Like Derek Carr wanted nothing to do with Chris Jones. Chris Jones just standing there, seeing it coming in, swatting it away, just like you would be if you were a franchisee of McAdoodles with all the other liquor stores in Kansas City. You'd just be swatting them away because guess what? They don't compare to you. You're better than them if you own a McAdoodles. You need to get a McAdoodles in Kansas City because of the prices, because of the customer service, and because of the selection. Get a hold of Roger. Info at McAdoodles.com. Swat away the other liquor stores in Kansas City and then give them that stare that Chris Jones had, especially the one that he had on the sidelines after they pulled him from the game. That man wanted more. He wanted more out of the game. So be like that. Yeah, you, you brought Chris Jones up. There's just a looseness to this entire team right now. And that was that was evident. I think, I mean, I, Maddie, you kind of mentioned earlier with Travis Kelsey. I think you saw how relaxed and, and energetic in the same time somehow, uh, confident, some might say, uh, that this team was getting out of that game. And I think that's totally true. One real quick thing on the defense that added onto that, and it's, I just thought it was interesting that the two drives that they, the, the Raiders went down and scored, um, a 50-yard field, a short field because of a special teams turnover. Thanks, Mike Hughes. Um, and then, you know, the, the opening drive of the first half or the second half, I mean, they, they came out swinging. Really, I love the, the play call uh, to Brian Edwards on the seam route was brilliant. It was a really mm-hmm. great play design. If the Chiefs are going to stay, like, they, they basically, I mean, they, they put them in a real big bind because the running back was bounced outside of the bunch, cornerback bounced outside. Now you got a bunch trying to handle a bunch of switch verticals with a unathletic group of linebackers. So that was a really nice play design. Credit to credit to them for getting them on that one. Well, there was I mean, a really athletic linebacker out there. He uh, was yeah, just on the other true. side of the formation to spy uh, runs like this Derek Carr, I believe. <laughs> Derek Carr was high knees in everywhere out of bounds. <laughs> I mean, that, those empty checks, that, that's been something... I, I'm, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on this week on the KCSN Substack. Go subscribe if if you're not. Just go, go. You should do that. Get access to the Discord as well. That's there's fun stuff there too. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about that. This is not the first time that Willie Gay has been isolated backside in some of these empty checks and things like that, and just kind of left to either play in a hook zone or play as a quarterback spy. They're not even really blitzing him on empty i mean they blitz plenty out of empty but 
They're not doing it the same way that they do with Willie Gay. It makes me wonder what the intent is there because you saw the exact way that it can be exploited. I don't blame Anthony Hitchens for not being able to carry Brian Edwards up the scene. No. Like he shouldn't right. be tasked with that. Now, and who knows if Willie Gay Jr. is going to fare that much better, but at least give yourself the opportunity to maybe run with that guy versus putting that kind of guy. Earlier this season, it was Nick Bolton out in the same area, you know, and an offense took advantage of that as well. So it is something to pay attention to. Cowboys do like to go a little bit empty. We'll talk about that later this uh, week. It's going it, it, to be worth talking about. Real quick yeah. on the Nick Bolton comment, um, a lot of people were talking about his snap count, and it's I, I correct oh. me if I'm wrong. Don't worry about the snap count. No. It had it was more game script than it was anything. And, Absolutely. And I mean, look, Chris Lamont's got 24 percent of the snaps this week on offense or on defense. So like I mean, they, they garbage time. They were in the and, nine for 46 percent of the game. Yeah, 46 percent. So like it's got nothing to do with Nick Bolton entirely dime based and backups and he he's still getting the snaps that you would want him to so don't don't worry about him he'll be fine all right i think it's time for helmet stickers butt slaps and good jobs and whatever craig is giving out this week right <laughs> yeah well before we get that i got one question because we we usually save all of the you know next week stuff for the later podcast this week but this isn't a scheme based thing how do you, what needs to happen in this Cowboys Chiefs game for you to feel great? Is it just a win? Do you want to see Dan Quinn come out and try not to play cover three and the offense still be good to feel good? Like, what do you want to see to feel good after this Cowboys game, no matter what? For, for me, me, I want go I want the defense to continue to look the way that they have. Now, from a points per game perspective, like, let's throw that out the window. This is the number one scoring offense in the league. Like, there's going to be points... They have way too many weapons. Dak Prescott is excellent, but I want them to be competitive. I want them to put up a fight. I want them to get stops. I I just, I want them to look like the defense that we've seen, albeit matched up against an offense that should score some points on them, but I want it to be rough on the Cowboys the entire game. I don't want it to be like the, you know, the Titans game where they were able to just kind of throw all over this defense. It didn't really matter what the defense did. I wanted to put up a little bit more of a fight. I don't really care. I just want to win. As long as they win, my expectations are just win. I really don't care about what, what signs we see. I think this is a game where you don't care about some of the details. You just care that they pull out the victory because I think this is one of the top shelf teams in the NFC. I believe it's the third best odds on the NFC to to make it to the Super Bowl. But currently, the one seed in the NFC. I mean, this is as big as it, this is as big of a test as it gets. And I don't really care how you pass the test; just pass it. Just go win the football game. I don't care if it's twelve to ten. I don't <laughs> care if Mahomes has to complete all of his passes left-handed. I don't care. Like, I really don't care. I just want a victory. And this is a big game. And I'll go back to being an insufferable Chiefs fan more than I am. If they go out and win this game, we'll be puffing our chest and we'll be talking about our Super Bowl odds. Man, the kid is really committed to no loss November here. He just (laughs) doesn't care how it happens. I think that's almost the right way to go about this game. And I think I'm going to approach it from kind of the opposite side of Kent. I think if you lose this game to the Cowboys, you'll have lost to the one good team you played in November for your no-loss November. I get it. The Packers are good, but they were missing everybody. 
So if you beat Jordan Love and no Kenny Clark, no Zadarius Smith, no you know Jair Alexander Packers, and you beat the Giants and you beat the Raiders team that is clearly spiraling downward right now, like what did you actually accomplish in terms of moving towards a Super Bowl win? Not just a playoff berth or winning the AFC West, which is still an accomplishment. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to play that down, but we're kind of at this point as a fan base where we want the Super Bowl, not our bust, but it's, you know, we're thinking it's a Super Bowl competing team. If you come out and all of a sudden lose to the Cowboys after what's happened the rest of this year, it kind of makes these last three losses not feel empty, but you just kind of, your hopes get shattered just a little bit again, because you're still only beating bad teams, losing to the good teams. Like I, I'm with Kent, just, just give me a win. I don't care how it happens, but boy, I would sure love it if the Cowboys came out and tried not to play cover three, just to mm. see if this offense really did figure it out. Like come out, it's a cover three team. It's a you know middle field closed coverage team. If they come out and don't do that, then they might not run it very well. If they do, too high stuff that is. But if they come out and try too high and still get torched, I might be more insufferable than Ken at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So Maddie butt slaps. Good jobs. Game stickers and beers. Is, it, is that what is it? Is that what it is? Or you want to set it up? Or no? you, you know what? You're gonna figure this out. Super Bowl week, buddy. That's when you're going to figure out what it is. I forget every week. Kent, who would you like to give a helmet sticker to for their performance against the Las Vegas Raiders last night? I would like to give it to Daryl the Barrel Williams for his 100-yard receiving performance, most specifically for embarrassing and mossing Jonathan Abram, Mm. the somehow best first-round pick of the Mayock era, uh, who cared more about trying to get attention on hard knocks than being good at football. And that is shown for the entirety of his career. He's fake good. He's a drama queen. And I really don't appreciate him. And it's really fun to watch him get bopped. Does anybody think he's good? Like, is, is he even fake good? John Abram thinks he's good. And John <laughs> Abram's very wrong. This is true. Um, so we're giving a butt slap to Legereus Sneed. We haven't really talked about him this entire podcast, and I think he kind of set the tone for the defense and arguably the whole team at the beginning of the game. They Raiders kept challenging him in the open field. I actually believe he gave up 100% completion percentage to guys that were credited in his, his zone or his coverage by PFF, but it was for like five catches for like 20 yards. Like they weren't going anywhere when they were trying to target him because he was tackling everybody in the open field. I think he had some really good plays and coverage as well. So I just think he kind of set the tone early that this was what the Chiefs defense was going to be about this game. And I think they kind of built on it from there. The Raiders realized they can't throw three-yard passes to Hunter Renfro and hope him to shake Legereus Sneed in space or whoever it's going to be. Big performance out of him. Like I said, he's playing as good as he has all year at this point in time. He's now starting to pull like that cornerback one talk we were giving him in the offseason. It just mm-hmm. took him a few weeks to ramp up to it. All right. I got a whole ass bottle of vodka back there for Travis Kelsey. (laughs) My man has needed a game like this. I don't care what they were playing against him. He needed this. And you saw the way that how emotional, how how into everything it was in that postgame interview. And I get that that was from the meme and everything like that. But my goodness, the man needed that. I think... You saw him walking off the field at times over the past two or three games, which were victories, frustrated, beat up. Like the man looked like he had been through a lot because he had. I mean, he's very beat up right now. He needed a game like this. He needed the get right game. He needed to get his swagger back, to get that confidence built. I am looking forward to seeing the Travis Kelsey 
that comes out this week because the Travis Kelsey is going to come out this week against the Cowboys is almost certainly going to be better than the Travis Kelsey that we saw the previous two weeks prior to this Raiders game, just because he's going to be playing with confidence. He's going to be playing strong. He's going to feel like he can play like a superhuman being again, knowing especially that he's got the bye week right around the corner. So he can put it all out there. So I'm really looking forward to that. So whole ass bottle of vodka for Travis Kelsey. Real quick on the way out, Charlie Rogers in the YouTube comments, Derek Carr looks like the magician in Frosty the Snowman. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory live show on Monday nights. Thank you so much for watching, listening, wherever you are consuming this show and all KC Sports Network stuff. We really appreciate you. Really grateful. And uh, we'll catch you later.